Hello and welcome to the True Blue at Blue. blue. <laughs> Go two weeks without recording. You can't talk anymore. Uh, the podcast. The podcast I, I do, Jacob Birch, about the podcast, about the Dodgers. <laughs> Eric Steven, you're with me. Hello. <laughs> God, we're, what a way to start off 2021. Our first record of this year. Uh, yeah, feels right. I yeah. like it. <laughs> Just start off, start off fresh. Uh, quite a bit of news to <laughs> chew through uh, over the yeah. last couple of weeks, so we're going to uh, get through it all, starting with some sad news. We're... Yeah, we, uh, yep, Pedro Baez is gone. <laughs> not not the news I was thinking about. Oh, okay. Well, I guess, I guess I'll have to review the show notes. After, yeah, after the, the recency bias, I guess. So, well, yeah, yep. we'll, we'll talk about the, the passing of Tommy Lasorda, um, Pedro Baez, as you mentioned, little, little different, uh, uh, news yeah. there. Some other miscellaneous offseason stuff and then questions from Craig. All of that after this. Step into the world of power, loyalty. And luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So as mentioned, as I'm sure all Dodger fans know, Tommy Lasorda uh, passed away earlier this week. Uh, There's going to be mostly you, I think, talking about him. Um, uh, one personal note uh, before we move on is... I you know I'd been going to baseball fans since uh, I was when I moved to LA when I was four I think I went to one game when I was four but they're all blurred right I remember eating Dodger dogs I remember getting souvenirs I I remember some of the players but no distinct memory my first distinct baseball memory whether in person or at a game uh, in person at a game or watching on TV was um, Tommy Lasorda's retirement speech. I was at oh. that, I happened to be at that game and I remember thinking he got I as a kid I remember thinking it was the literally 5 minute standing ovation. I don't know how long it actually was. Uh, but I remember like being in line to get a hot dog and just the non-stop claps and I didn't know who why they were doing this. I didn't know who the yeah. old guy on the field was. Um Maybe I had like kind of remembered him. I was oh, I think he was the he's the manager or something like that. And I had to like ask my parents like, what is going on? I'm so confused. So that was, um, I think July, June or July 30th, uh, 1996. Looking mm-hmm. uh, July 30th, 1996. So there, my first distinct memory. So wow, you can kind of term my baseball fandom as really the postal sorta era, uh, which is why I think it's going to be mostly you talking ta- talking about him. So, and I, I'm just wondering, like, not that you would have noticed at the time because you were so young, but like, I bet you the line to get that hot dog was really short. Like, uh, 
Oh, I remember if I remember right, like it was like one of those is like this national anthem where I was the line didn't change because everyone was uh, already in line and they turned to face the field. Oh, I see. Uh, okay. If I rem- again, I I was 10 uh, yeah. at the time, so probably not memory with perfect clarity. But I remember not being in my seat. That was the main thing I remember. Like, uh, I mean, it, it you know, it, it was sort of passing away. I mean, I hate to like. I don't want to be like callous about this. It's just like, you know, he was 93 and he had been experiencing, he was in the hospital for like two months with heart issues. He had just been sent home like earlier in the week um, after being in the hospital for two months. So to say this, this was definitely not, you know, expected, but like it, it wasn't, it wasn't that surprising, but it's still, it's just a bummer. Like, obviously it's like a huge, huge bummer. Like, and, um, you know, so what happened was, so he, he, um, I think yeah, he was released from the hospital earlier in the week, uh, had a, a cardiac arrest, heart attack on Thursday night at home, I guess was, uh, I don't know, if, I don't remember if he was pronounced dead at the hospital or on the way to the hospital where they, you know, paramedics tried to resuscitate him and they didn't. So he died Thursday night. So the news broke Friday. Um, but yeah, like it, it's, it's impossible to like sort of measure like, uh, we were going over this in the comments the other day. Um, like, who's the most like, uh, or where? How would you like rank? Um, you know, certain Dodgers like, and like I was having trouble with this because, you know, it's pr- like Jackie Robinson. Like in terms of like players, like not only pl- like incredible player, but I- historical impact and like he has to be number one, I think. But then people were saying like, what about like Lasorda and Scully? And I, like, for me, they don't like count in that way, but yet a, that in a, in a different way, like Lasorda specifically, I, I, I sort of arrived on this, that he like, he embodies the Dodgers more than anyone else, just because he's, I mean, he was there for 71 with the team for 71 years. It wasn't all consecutive because there was a period where as a player, he started with them and then um, uh, then he went over to the Kansas City A's and then came back uh, by the end, I think, 1960 when he when he retired as a player and became a scout. And then it was continuous from there. But it's like, man, like that's a long time to be associated with one team. And he was always like the like the face um, kind of the franchise. He, he was a a like tremendously like popular manager and like you like nowadays like think about it in baseball right now who are who are the popular managers like there's no one close to like what Lasorda was and I don't know if you'll ever sort of see that again um just I have some notes just going over like so you know he was a player with the Dodgers he got to the majors in 54 and 55 he would and he pitched for the A's in 56 that's where he got most of his major league time um, he was 0-4, 648 ERA, more walks than strikeouts in the majors. He had some moments in the minors. I think there was a game where he like struck out 25. Um, and he was like a, you know, for lack of a better term, a bulldog, right? Like he was like tenacious and uh, under the rules of the time in 1955, the Dodgers had this uh, kid, they signed Sandy Koufax and they because of the uh, the bonus baby rule at the time, if you got a bonus of a certain amount, you had to be placed on the major league roster or be like um, other teams could like claim you. Um, you have to, you know, for a certain amount of time. So they had to put Kopex on the roster and to, to uh, create roster space, they cut Lasorda. And uh, I, years later he said, you know, he's like, I still think they made a bad move. You know, just obviously joking around, but like, uh, he came back to the Dodgers as a scout, um, was pretty active in the 60s, and then sort of uh, mid-60s started managing in the minors, and that's where it sort of sort of began his, like, legend, I guess. Um, he was – I was looking – like, he coached uh, – it was about ha- – uh, it was eight years in the minors, half at Rookie League, half in AAA. And the good run of that was, like, he, he basically coached, like, all the – the really good players the Dodgers like uh, were bringing in in the late sixties, their 1968 draft is, is legendary, but they also had some players they brought in before that. And 
he managed just about all of them at multiple levels, like in Ogden and um, then Spokane. The nineteen seventy Spokane team um, it was named by Baseball America a few like a few years back that they were like the best uh, minor league team of the la- the second half of the twentieth century. Um, that team had Bill Buckner, Steve Garvey, Davey Lopes, Bill Russell, Bobby Valentine, and then Charlie Huff, Doyle Alexander, and uh, Jeff Zahn, among others, on the pitching staff. Those are all like longtime major leaguers, um, all on the same team. So uh, after that, he uh, was a third base coach under Walter Alston, and then eventually, uh, in 19- actually, the end of the '76 season, took over for Alston. So at the time, like Alston managed 23 years and then was sort of followed by managing 20 years. And it's like, that's, you know, unprecedented, like, you know, back to back sort of longevity for managers. It was like a symbol of stability, you know, for the franchise. And you saw like how after Lasorda left, obviously there were a few ownership changes, but like the the manager's uh, position wasn't nearly as stable. And you saw the Dodgers sort of suffer uh, in, in a way, not that it's all directly related to Lasorda, but like that's that's a symbol of it, I think. Um, But, you know, he had like his weird spots too, like um, under the Fox ownership, uh, when they fired Fred Clare, Lasorda was interim GM for a while. And when he was interim GM, he traded Paul Canerco for Jeff Shaw. Uh, Not the best move. Um, And then like later that uh, off season, Shaw had the right to demand a trade under the rules of the time because he was like traded in the middle of a multi-year deal. And then, so like the Dodgers end up giving him a contract extension. And I'm not sure Lasorda was like fully aware of those rules at the time. But anyway, like the, the last 20, I would say the last like two decades plus Tommy Lasorda's main role was being Tommy Lasorda. Um, we saw him, uh, at a Dodger thoughts event, um, this had to be what, like 2005 or six. Um, and Jacob and I were both there. We were sitting next to each other. And at this point, like the sort of like ha- he, he had like sort of canned speeches, you know, or he was like a motivational guy, but like at, at a certain point, like he told stories over and over and over again. And it was just like, he would go to, to a certain group and like, okay, who am I speaking to? And then, all right, then start the uh, thing. So he started talking to us and he was like, he was rambling on forever and being immature idiots that we are, uh, we spent most of the time like uh, laughing and, and like, I was, it was very hard to like keep from totally cracking up during that speech because we were comparing him to like, um, um abe simpson specifically uh, the yeah. onion on my belt speech yeah and god like i, I would that was a giggle fit for me because i could not look at you like specifically but like i mean it was a fine whatever it was a normal speech but it wasn't i don't want to like denigrate this sort of but like i would say there's been a few times where either before a game on the field or after the game uh, in a press conference like Anytime a live microphone uh, was around Lasorda, like it was, you know, all bets are off. You never know what he might say, like uh, before game or after game six of the 2017 World Series. Um, they had, um, uh, oh, so the Dodgers tied it, right? And then they, like Dave Roberts is going into the press room for his post game conference, and like Lasorda in the tunnel there was like, he tracked him down. He's like, hey, he's like, <laughs> Unless you win tomorrow, you haven't done shit. And it was all <laughs> caught on on uh, tape. It was really funny. This podcast so, uh, has to be explicit, by the way. So I'm not mad no. at you for once. No, I can't it, do yeah, the exactly. Tommy Lasorda podcast and have it not be and, explicit. So uh, part of the things with the the pandemic sort of robbed us of uh, us personally of an annual like um, New Year's Day get together. We've been getting together for dim sum the last few years with some friends and so we had a zoom call jacob and i and craig and a few other friends and uh, we introduced one of our friends sissy who had never seen or heard the uh dave kingham's performance um tommy lasorda rant or the kurt bavacqua lasorda rant so we introduced those to her and god that it was watching someone see that for the first time uh was amazing um and it was hilarious. Uh, you know, the story, there's clips of him, like, fighting mascots. Uh, I mean, like, he was he was a, a legend, right? Like Dodger um, 
Uh, David Young was on that call, and I might be doing this falsely, but I'm going to attribute this to him because I remember him saying this, was that whenever people bring up, oh, why don't the Dodgers have a mascot? The response is they do have a mascot. It's Tom yeah. sort of. <laughs> yeah, and, and like, and not like in a necessarily in a bad way. No, like I don't he think literally so. He just is the Dodgers, right? Was like that's... ever present. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I, I, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think of that as an insult at all. And you, you talked about how long like uh, the ovation was right, that when his when he retired when you were a kid. Like we saw this over the last few years. Like he'd be sit, going, to, he'd go to some games, and he'd be sitting in like the owner's box, like uh, right near the on deck circle. And sometime late in the game, if it's an important game, the, the inevitably the 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 video uh, the video board would pan to Lasorda, and like I felt bad because after a certain time, it's like you're making this guy get up right like from his seat like uh, but like he would get up and just get a roar like and it's a loud roar like he's so loved like um and you sort of felt that like every single time even even the last few years um he was like brash and stubborn and all this like there's there's the downside of that too right like uh uh in 1991 his son tommy jr died um uh, AIDS of uh, AIDS complications and pneumonia, and for years, like Lasorda, like didn't even acknowledge that he was gay. There was um, uh, Jay Jaffe in his excellent write-up of Lasorda really, really at Fangraphs, and uh, he he let he um, referred to a 1982 sport article about Glenn Burke, who was uh, not um, teammates knew at the time he was gay. Some did, and uh, but he wasn't out, you know necessarily but then like once the like he eventually got traded from the Dodgers and um there was a report that uh sort of threatened to fight Glenn Burke at one point and who was later traded that year so like he, he wasn't always like the the friendliest you know in terms of that he could have and, and this is where could, getting talking and another reason why I thought you would probably be doing most of the talking here is that yeah. again as a fan of baseball fan of the Dodgers post his managing career I didn't know him as a manager at all like i yeah uh, outside of um in retrospective so in that frame to tom lasorda was to me was that sort of funny stubborn uh ever-present manager but the the story about how he treated his son is is almost on equal footing for me so i i realize that i have a skewed perspective of of not the most positive and i realize that for a lot of people that's perhaps an unbalanced uh, take, but at the same time, it's pretty egregious, uh, the, the sort of the uh, homophobia that that dominated uh, how he treated that and what good could have come from it had he was had been able to get over it. So, right. Um, like so, someone in his position, right, could have done a lot to help like that, that um, um, cause or acceptance and, and just like, that, that would have gone a long way, like had he, right. you know, but um, like I would say uh, we talked to a few people on uh, Friday, I guess, Oral Hershiser, you know, he, he, as you might imagine, like had um, he's he I saw him do a, a number of interviews, actually, but when he, he mentioned multiple times that Lasorda was his baseball father. Um and credited him for a lot of his success. Uh, there, the famous thing with Hershiser and, and um, Lasorda was uh, they called it the Sermon on the Mound. Uh, although I, I'm pretty sure um, they had, uh, God, what was it? Um, I think this this meeting actually took place in Lasorda's office, and it wasn't actually on the mound. But like uh, Hershiser struggling in '84, like the first few months. This is his first full season. And he was like timid, right? I, or that—that's a weird way to put it. But like, the sort of was saying, um, if you had, um, you know, if, if you come in and you're a tough guy, and they say, "Here comes Bulldog," like they're gonna fear you, and you have to have that mentality all the time. And so that's how, like, he sort of willed was uh, Hershiser to have the nickname Bulldog, and like, hey, it worked. Like, whatever. He's one of the the greatest Dodgers pitchers of of our lifetime or my lifetime. Um, and uh i don't know so like he was pretty legendary in terms of like motivating i, I obviously like 88 dodgers are like always going to be my favorite team i think um i was 12 at the time you're not you're not really going to top that no, no matter what even though i i'm i'm certain like 
um, you know, they've had better teams. They, I know they've had better teams since then. Like last year was easily better. The last few years have been better, but like, that's always just going to be my favorite team. So I, I'll have um soft spot, you know, for the sort of, for that, obviously uh, Stan Caston had a good story. Like, just we uh, talked about like how Lasorda and the Dodgers are sort of interrelated. Um, so uh, I, I'm just going to read this. This is from Stan Caston last week. Um, he said he he um, first met Lasorda when Caston was GM of the Hawks, and uh, Mike Fratello was coach of the Hawks, and he knew Lasorda because Lasorda they were both Italian, and like so, Lasorda was you know. Like he, that's another thing. He was like a famous guy. Like imagine it's like before he, um, when he got the job managing the Dodgers, his first game, Frank, Frank Sinatra did the national anthem. Like he already, he was already like famous to that level before he became manager. It sort of was. So like, that's crazy. But anyway, um, this was uh, Stan Cass and he said, uh, my son Corey was getting an autograph and he made him shake hands and made him say, please, the way you're supposed to. Then he said, now repeat after me. I love the Hawks. And my son goes, I love the Hawks. Now repeat after me. I love the Dodgers. And then Cassie goes, well, this was a problem for my son. He couldn't trip my son up on that. He said, but I love the Braves. And Tommy just roared with laughter. Then he gave him his autograph to Corey, your friend, Tommy Lasorda, you and the Dodgers are great. And uh, Cassie said, because that was the ultimate compliment for Tommy Lasorda comparing someone to the Dodgers. Fast forward 35 years. Now I'm running the Dodgers. And I see him meet a young kid and go through the same exercise, the same rigmarole, shaking hands, saying please, asking him which team he supports and all that. And then he signed the autograph to Joey, your friend Tommy Lasorda. You and the Dodgers are great. That never changed. Uh, so, and then, you know, that was sort of Kesson's way of saying, like, he'll, that he'll always associate Tommy with that. Like, and, and Tommy always associated himself with the Dodgers. He always liked to say he bled Dodger blue and then the big Dodger in the sky and all that kind of stuff. So, like, uh, that's, it's hard. You'll never replace that, right? Like that's, he was, he was literally the embodiment of the Dodgers for so long. And that's why it was sad. Like, it, like you said, he was 93. He lived a full life, but like, it's still obviously sad to see him go. And, and it was sort of uh, on some level, cause you know, like Lasorda definitely like cared about this. Um, but he, he was in Texas for game six of the World Series. So he got his last game was to see the Dodgers win a World Series. So in some level, that's kind of cool. Not that you would trade one for the other or whatever. Not, like, not that that was actually a transaction, but that's it's something, right? Like So anyway, so um, to, to sort of transition here, I have a trivia question for you. I bet I'm going to get it wrong. <laughs> yeah, yep um, and i'll just say judging judging by how you were uh pontificating, and you're, you're definitely going to get this wrong uh, no but uh, lasorda managed uh 3040 games in 20 years for the dodgers second most in franchise history to walter alston 3658 games in 23 years now which hall of fame dodgers manager is third on the team in games managed and won i will answer this incorrectly after this <laughs> Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. I think I'm being tricked. I think I'm being bamboozled. I've seen the phrase Hall of Fame Dodgers manager. And I think you're either tricking me or this is a Zach Wheat situation. <laughs> uh, so either way, I'm not going to get it right. So I'm just going to tap out. I don't know who this third all so you, you the reason I, I didn't want to give this away earlier, but you said you're like uh, you're trying to go through the Dodgers retired numbers. 
Yeah, and, and I think I was the only just, two Dodgers managers who had their numbers retired are Lasorda and Alston. Alston and Lasorda. I think I was so, double counting Alston. So yeah, so uh, I will give you this answer. It's Wilbert Robinson, um, who managed for eighteen years. Okay. Now the top five Dodgers uh, in games managed are all in the Hall of Fame. Leo DeRocher uh, managed nine years with the Dodgers, but also several places elsewhere. Uh, Ned Hanlon, uh, at the turn of the eight, uh, 19th, 20th century, um, managed seven years. Um, now, the interesting part about this, I, I was thinking about asking you this. So after those five, the next three managers in seasons man are tied with the same number of seasons managed. Do you, Knowing what I just told you, can you name one or or multiple of these managers? Is Maddenly up there? Yes. Okay. There you go. There's my guess. I'm tapping out. I'm going away. <laughs> so uh, the yeah. So the next the tied for sixth place in most seasons manages five by Don Mattingly, Jim Tracy, and Dave Roberts. So that's that was a little bit surprising to me, although like thinking about eight managers for at least five seasons, especially when the the top three accounted for uh, 62 seasons. That's a pretty good run. But like, yeah. So like, just like if just a few more seasons, Roberts is going to be like up there in franchise history in terms of games managed. So pretty, pretty amazing. So we have some other news to go through. Yeah. And much like, like pretty much the entirety of the Dodgers off season so far, it's bullpen related. Like, um, so the the first thing was Blake Trinan is back. Uh, this was one of those moves where, like, nobody leaked it ahead of time. Nobody had like, hey, Blake Trinan is seeking this. You know, it was never any of that. It was just the Dodgers uh, tweeting out, hey, we signed Blake Trinan. <laughs> uh, two year deal, seventeen and a half million plus an option for two two thousand twenty three. So I was looking at our guesses from episode two, uh, 2034. Uh, we, I would, I would say we, we were both half right. Um, in this, I had Trinan going back to the Dodgers, but I only guessed him at one year, 9 million. I think I guessed one year for every non Turner free agent. So <laughs> it's going to be rough. Um, now you had him going to the Rockies, so you failed, uh, but you had him at two years, 16 million. So you basically nailed, uh, his monetary value so good on you we both got half right so the way i look at it like the dodgers like are still going to add a an impact right-handed bat it's almost it's probably going to be justin turner they've been like sort of pseudo linked to uh dj lemayhu basically because the yankees are waiting on him some reports and he about, hasn't um, signed yet marcelo suna as well Right, Which and is that, that's confusing, like but... <laughs> that's, yeah that that doesn't that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But like yeah, they're 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 whatever happens, they're clearly going to add a an ex, a relatively expensive right-handed bat. So with Trinan, um, and then if you add in like their arbit- salary arbitration um, exchange deadline is Friday. We're recording this on Thursday. So just going off some of the loose MLB trade rumor estimates, and even those are s- sort of variant. And then you add in like um, filling out the roster with minimum salary guys. They're basically at like 197 million already. And that's before adding the bat and before accounting for like midseason stuff or potential bonuses for guys. So the threshold is 210 million. So I think they're going to, they're going to end up paying the uh, competitive balance tax this year in some form. Um, So, not that that means they're just going to go hog wild and go way over, but like if if you were you were thinking they might be limited in in making moves because of that, maybe not. So that's just uh, sort of a byproduct of this deal, I think. And then um, the other sort of move happened yesterday, although it hasn't been official yet. But Pedro Baez um, signing with the Astros. Uh, so who would have uh, thought that? What? I said, who would have guessed that? Right, nobody. Uh, but good for good for Baez. Two years, twelve and a half million. He also has a club option for two thousand twenty-three. There's some bonuses in there. Now, we were both way off on the money on this. I said one one year, four million. Again, I undershot everybody. Uh, you said one year, five million. But you said uh, 
Pedro Baez would sign with Houston. Oh, so really? you're doing quite well on these uh, free agent stabs in the dark. Is uh, but like if you look at it, like Pedro Baez, and he was in the Dodgers organization since January 2007. That's crazy. Only Kenley and Kershaw had had more uh, tenure uh, than Baez. Obviously, he came up as a third baseman. He converted to pitching. Like Kenley's transition was quick too. But like uh, Baez converted to pitching in 2013, and he was in the majors the next year. Like that's amazing, right? Like so, you know, he, I'd, he's like alternated between like reviled and somewhat loved in a weird <laughs> way, like over the last few years. Um, so like, uh, but like, look, 303 ERA in seven years. Uh, his 355 games in relief are seventh most in Dodgers history. 31 postseason games are the third most behind Kenley and Kershaw. Like he was, he was pretty good, right? Like just generally, obviously, he had, had his moments. Like uh, a ton of like, especially in the playoffs, a ton of uh, in letting Kershaw's inherited run runners to <laughs> score. Like there was a lot. He seemed to be on the mound more often than most for those situations. But like, just like generally. Pretty good reliever, like, and you know, good for him for getting paid. So that, that that's good. Um, and we would be remit. <clears throat> Dodger games are, are about to get a little bit quicker. So I looked that this up. Um, so the last three years, um, on Fangas, I think he has the he the, had the fourth slowest pace. He's like uh, just over thirty seconds in between pitches. I think Joe Kelly was worse, and like Kenley is up there. So like. Yeah, but um, anyway, uh, I do have a Dodgers rewind that's oh. ten, and it, this was sort of an accident. It's tangentially related to Lasorda, but also to Baez. We'll get to that in a second. Um, so Tommy Lasorda, in his two years with the Dodgers, he pitched eight games. He only made one start, and it came uh, May fifth, nineteen fifty-five. And I looked this up. He walked two in the first, and he ha- he tied a National League record with three wild pitches. Um, <laughs> and he allowed a run, and he got spiked at home plate by a future Dodger, Wally Moon. They ended up taking him out after the first inning. He pitched. He got the last two outs after the getting spiked. I couldn't tell if like they just took him out because he was terrible, or that he got spiked. It was probably a combo. But Clem Labine uh, came in to relieve him, and he pitched six innings and only allowed two runs. And Labine was like sort of this, um, like a, I don't know, ace fireman is might be the too strong of a word, but he was very a very like trusted reliever for them. Three sixty three ERA um, with the Dodgers. He pitched for them for eleven years, nineteen fifty to nineteen sixty. He had a one thirteen ERA plus with them. Now saves weren't like official yet. But if they were, he would have led the majors in 1956 with 19 saves. He saved 17 games in 1957, would have led the National League. He saved 81 games for the Dodgers overall. He also won in double digits uh, three different years. Um, he was in you know, a lot of games. He pitched over 100 innings six straight years, and he averaged like 115 innings. In those. So he was pitching quite a bit. Um, now – his he pitched 388 games in relief in his career, and he's one of the the few Dodgers that have more relief appearances than Pedro Baez. I find this interesting too. Um, so Labine pitched in five World Series, four of them for the Dodgers, and also for the 1960 Pirates. Um, he won three of them. Uh, he had a 164 ERA World Series World Series ERA with the Dodgers in 20, just over 27 innings. His one World Series start was the the game after Don Larson's perfect game in 1956. Dodgers were down 3-2 in the series, and he pitched a 10-inning shutout. Uh, they The Dodgers won in the 10th. It was a home game. Uh, Jim Gilliam walked. Pee Wee Reese sacrificed him over, and Jackie Robinson drove him home with a single. Now, that's only there's only been three 10-inning, 10-inning shutouts in World Series history. Uh, Christy Matthewson in 1913 for the Giants and Jack Morris in Game 7 of the 1991 World Series. Um, So back to the uh, relief game uh, thing. Uh, Baez is seventh in Dodgers relief history with 355 games. Kenley Jansen is first with 632. Labine is fourth with 388. 
Can you name one of the other seven pitchers in the top ten, Jacob? So I wrote two names down, and one name I wouldn't have come up with if it wasn't for you. And mm-hmm. again, I might be wrong. Um, so we'll go with the one I came up with on my own. Jonathan Broxton? He is one, two, three, sixth. Ah, there we go. 386. No, fifth, sorry. Yeah, 386. Um, and then the other name you said, I did double check to make sure. One thing I've noticed about pre-Jacob era, especially pitchers, is that knowing how long they pitch for the Dodgers is really tough. Because you just yeah. you kind of know them as icons, but that could mean, you know, oh, they pitch really well in a World Series, uh, but they were only there for two years. So, but so I did d- double check with Charlie Huff. Yes, uh, he pitched basically like all the seventies for them, nineteen seventy, nineteen eighty. Uh, he had three hundred eighty-five games in relief, so he's he's sixth, just behind Broxton. Um, he also started sixteen games for them, but. Mm. And that was the other thing I was going to say is some of these pitchers, like, I feel like were a little, like, did both. And I can't quite tell, like, were they permanent relievers? Stuff. So that was what, that was what, what I had to double check with D- Charlie Huff is I had to make sure he was mostly a reliever. One other uh, player on this top 10 list is is in the Jacob era. I figured there would be one more, but I, every pitcher I think of w- was here for, like, three to four years, I feel like. And like not more than that, and I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody, and you're going to tell me who it is. Yeah. Um, so that that one is in tenth place. It's um, uh, God. It, sorry, uh, Eric Gagne. Okay. Two hundred fifty. I didn't want to um, guess Gagne because it's such a like uh you know name yeah. the guy who won the Cy Young as reliever. Guess so. I looked on this. We I was going to say one of them. Well, I, I thought it was two, but only, I think only one of them we've done a Dodgers Rewind on, and that was Ron Paranowski, who passed away uh, a few months back. He's in – or he's actually tied for second, 456 games in relief. Jim Brewer is tied with him. Jim Brewer had the first save in Major League history, official save. Um, no, and the then, first save ever. <laughs> um, so then uh, the other ones – uh, eighth and ninth are uh, Ed Roebuck, uh, who pitched in the uh, 50s and 60s, and then Tom Niedenfuer. Uh, the Tom Niedenfuer had 310 games. So th- there's nine nine Dodgers relievers have um, over 300 games in relief. And there you go. I was looking up Gira Momoda. He was a uh, name I kept wanting yeah. to say, but I knew he was only quite a few there. years, but probably yeah. right up there yeah. because he had like yeah, every he game. Pitched he a just lot. pitched every yeah. game. <laughs> uh, hey, you know what time it is? It's the first you know, first oh, thing man. of the year. Are you excited? I'm so excited. Excited. It's time for questions from Craig. Five questions from our friend Craig, who was also on the call, as you mentioned. Uh, it was good. It was good to catch up with everybody. Yep. Not quite the same without dim sum around. Way too much dim sum around me. Just getting stuffed. But may- maybe next year? Maybe? Maybe? I can hope. All right. First one. Later this month, we will find out if any player has been elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame. I doubt it. Uh, in honor of Tommy Lasorda, can Eric name the Hall of Fame players that played for him? Bonus question. Can you name the Hall of Fame players that played for the Dodgers after Lasorda's manager manager tenure? Hint, there are two players on both these lists. I was surprised there's only two um, on the first list. Uh, and it, So Don Sutton and Eddie Murray. Um, I'm getting both. the answers right now. Yep. Uh, correct. Don Sutton and Eddie Murray. Yeah. And so, and then, but also like Piazza played for him. So that's correct. Come on. Yeah. Um, uh, so, but then played for the Dodgers after him. Is it, that was the bonus? Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. So correct. So, okay. I'm yeah. Correct. Uh, there are five names on the first list. There are five names on the second list. Two are overlapping. I gotcha. Okay. So you were missing two names in my head. I read it as two and two. Like, okay. So I was like, wait, all right. So, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Um, wow. Um, now I'm not remembering. Uh, let's see. Um, One name is uh, linked oh, oh, to Tommy Lasorda. Well, actually, Eddie Murray is bef- 
is on both lists too because he came back in 97 even though i don't officially recognize that <laughs> second tenure so you have you uh, did get the names that are on both okay and then um uh ricky henderson is later yep. um and then uh jim tomei yep um i'm just trying to so you're think. missing one name on each list okay um the the name you're missing on during uh his era is um linked to tommy lasorda jay jaffe talks about this in his article oh um infamously i should i should know oh yeah yeah okay pedro pedro uh yeah um and then you're missing one name afterwards one name afterwards um <laughs> big big <laughs> hint i saw this player's last game ever huge hint last game ever um which was a relief appearance in the playoffs oh okay greg maddox there yeah there you go nice all right I'm glad because when when I, when I in my head I was thinking two and two, it was really only Sutton and Murray. Like that was it. Like I I thought it was like in total. I was like that's all he managed. Like <laughs> I'm glad it was different than I thought. So uh, you want to read the next one? Sure. Uh, and now for Jacob, uh, <laughs> Tommy Lasorda was manager for record nine Rookie of the Year players. Can Jacob correctly rank the five? consecutive rookie of the years in, in the 1990s from lowest to highest baseball reference war for Hideo Nomo, for example, I will only use pitching war. So is this the rookie season war? Um, let me check. Or is it their like war as a Dodger? Or, I also have war a... <laughs> uh, it's only the rookie season. Okay. Oh man, that's going to be interesting. Um, that makes this much more interesting. Uh, I, I have to do the I have to do the thing where I have to resist putting Todd Zeal's name down. I do it every single time these five rookies come up. Uh, not not a rookie of the year with the Dodgers. Todd, uh, Todd Zeal rated rookie with Donruss in like 1989 or whatever. But okay, Let, this is gonna. I this will be fun. I'm going to guess that Piazza had the highest yeah, easily. Um, okay. He was at seven war in '93. <laughs> Lord, <laughs> um, is Raúl next? Uh, Raúl is third. Okay, one one point eight. In but strike oh short God. season. I will say, even if you, even if you gave him the benefit of the doubt and added fifty percent to it, he still would be third. Oh, okay. Um, is it Nomo then? Nomo four point seven. He was yeah. so good. I, I remember. Like, yeah. He, I guess I remembered um, even with the striker in that rule did a little bit better, but yeah. Um, Karos fourth? Uh, no. <laughs> Karos had zero point four WAR. I, I, <laughs> if I remember right, his, his on base percentage was under three hundred in ninety two. <laughs> he he drove in eighty eight runs and and hit twenty homer. He wasn't bad, like but yeah. like it the it was a it was a rough era. He, he suffered uh, from the era he played in, in terms of. First base production. Well, at least Hollinsworth, not Todd Steele. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you have a guess uh, of what his war was in 96? One on the dot. 1.1. 1. 1, so not bad. <laughs> yeah, you did uh, You did pretty well. I, I, I'm, I'm happy with that. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was actually going to be as a Dodger and things were going to get really weird. Um, yeah. All right. Given how Major League Baseball was able to start their shortened 2020 season with a much shorter spring training, do you think teams could cut two weeks off this annual tradition? No way. Um, only because, I mean, sure, they did it last year, but look at the yep. beginning of the year. It was crap. Like, <laughs> you, you, the, the only reason spring training exists or, like, is so long is to get to build up pitchers, right? Like, so, That's and it's always, was... like, a methodical, like, thing where, you know, they generally start at one or two inning the starters – one or two innings and then two to three, three to four, then they need like five or six like spring outings, right? Some are on the backfields, you know, whatever, but they, they need to like methodically build up every, like other like relievers. They don't need that much hitters don't need that much, but like, it's really just for, to build up starting pitchers. So um, like, I don't see that like changing anytime soon. 
Yeah, so, yeah, I, I guess my only, like, caveat response was maybe if if pitchers and catchers reported at the same time and they just did, you know, other ways to build pitcher arms, but maybe you just can't do that without the real game situation. Yeah, you ha- I mean, you have to, like, face guys. <laughs> like, you have to, you know? I mean, it, it, they because there's, like, bullpen sessions and stuff before, like, actually building up. Like, so... Yeah, it, it's a process. But it's just... they don't need to have fans in the stands if it's not safe. So that's certainly... But, yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, which team will have the most uh, unsigned ARB-eligible players when the deadline ends tomorrow? Here's a link to the current list. So just as a background for this, the tomorrow is the exchange date, um, uh, 10 a.m. Pacific time, 1 p.m. Eastern. Um the player and team like exchange numbers and like they could still like negotiate, but generally like if teams don't have an agreement by this odds are, they're probably going to end up going to a hearing. Um, Now that means there's going to be a lot of, it's usually like a soft deadline. So um, there's going to be a lot of players signing like one year deals tomorrow. Now, Craig gave us the list. Uh, MLB Trade Rumors has an ARB tracker up. I, I went through it just to make this easier on us and listed the teams that have the most currently unsigned players. The Dodgers have seven, for instance. Um, there are four teams that have more. Um, but, like, do you do you have a guess on to who, which of these teams won't come to an agreement? Like, uh, I was trying to think. I didn't, I didn't go back and look at last year, but... I want to say there were something like there's usually between like 10 and 20 hearings or, or like there's been less in recent years, but it's not, there's not going to be that many hearings. I don't think, but sometimes it just takes a little while to keep the negotiating going. I I'm going to, I'm going to go with Rockies. Okay. So the Rockies also have seven unsigned at the moment. Um, so let's see. So the Angels have new GM, new front office. They have six unsigned, uh, but so do the A's, Rays, and Reds. The Mets and the Pirates have nine unsigned. I would say I'm just going to go with the Pirates because okay. just because they have so many already. And they don't and care the, if their players I, hate them anyways. Are with eight. What, say that again? <laughs> they don't care if their players hate them anyways. <laughs> That's right. Not exactly, exactly a, uh, a yeah. franchise that's been endearing themselves. So, all right. Last question: Removing barbecue style from consideration, what is your favorite hot beef style sandwich? Chicago beef, cheesesteaks, French dip, or some other kind? I love these, all of yeah, these. these <laughs> such a good like like any of those three are so good. Like um, so, growing up. I was a huge French dip fan. There was mm-hmm. a place called Billy Reed's in Palm Springs that had that. And like that, that was my go-to every time we went there. Uh, have, I have love you it. heard I, of this place called Philippe's? Yes, or exactly. It, you know, just one of the biggest pre-Dodger game institutions. And I remember the French dip was like one of the first meals that I would order. Like it was maybe other than maybe Buffalo wings, the first thing that wasn't on the kids menu that I liked. And I remember, ooh, oh. I'm, look how adult I am. I'm ordering a French dip. I'm in so, continental. I, I had a French dip from the hat uh, like last week even. It was really good. Um, did you get onion rings? Did, yes, I did. Um, now, so Portillo's is another um, like uh, fun uh, excursion. And Chicago beefs are wonderful. They're really good. I want to if I want to say cheesesteaks though for this. Number, my literally my favorite sandwich is. But a, that that a said, steak. I have never like had. I've never been to Philadelphia. Oh, I I guess I technically was in Philadelphia for about twenty minutes once in an in a layover uh, in the airport. But I I have not had a true Philly cheesesteak. But I've had a lot of cheesesteaks in, so, in my day. Like you when know, you're able to come visit. Like, I, uh, you saw, I, I've been baking, I've been doing that, that quarantine uh-huh. thing and baking, and I have been perfecting a Philly or hoagie roll. Um, yeah. So I, I feel like I can make a really good actual Philly style cheesesteak. Um, once I find a butcher that will get, get me some shabu shabu cut ribeye. Um, so I'm working on that. I have had 
I've been to gyms and I think Pat's. I went to Pat's when I was in the eighth grade. I think, and I think it was Pat's. I'm not positive. Um, mm-hmm. And Jim's cheesesteak, one of the sort of few really well-known ones, was out of this world good. That said, my favorite Philly ever was from Lardo in Portland, Oregon. Um, nice. The only one that's beaten uh, an actual Philly place. But even a bad Philly, and I know people in Philadelphia would not agree with me, right. I think is delicious. I love so there, there's a um, semi-regional sub-place out here that's uh, Capriati's. Mm-hmm. And like they're pretty good. They don't have a, a huge menu. Um, they I think their biggest thing is like um, a Thanksgiving style sandwich. Like that's their sort of go to. Uh, but like they have a cheesesteak that like uh, I don't know if it's the like the peppers they use um, that are like excellent. But I used to love that sandwich. There was a Capriati's like right almost right down the street from me for the first few years i lived in covina and it's it's no longer there there's a reasonably close one but it's just a little harder to get to um so i haven't eaten there a ton but like their um cheesesteak was excellent in terms of like that um so yeah, your decisions when you go to when you do go to philly or come to my place and i'll have all of them available to you is you have to decide wit you know with onions or not right and then you have to decide one of three cheeses how would you well, how would you order obviously it? obviously with onions grilled of course um and i would probably well like provolone's my go-to now mm-hmm. um, as an adult i would if i was yeah if i was in philadelphia though and, and i would i would definitely try with or you know wit or whatever or that is wit with the onion part or whiz yeah that's the yeah, onion pit wit, so whiz i, I, I would order. try it w- with cheese whiz for sure yeah. just because you have to i like, like all three american is my favorite um uh-huh. i use provolone when I, I make it at home though so so there you go yeah now I'm, I'm, i like I'm, it might have to go make another philly I, i'm out of i'm i i made some yesterday they were chicken fillies but I'm out of chicken. I have no beef, so I might need to go get some and make another one. I'm gonna I'm gonna go drive to Capriati's and buy a cheesesteak today. So, <laughs> and then drive by the hat on the way home and get a. <laughs> Craig just asked Wait. these questions to keep the local restaurant economy afloat from you and I ordering more food. That that's right. That's right. He he's always thinking about that. Well, uh, yeah, this is our first episode we've recorded in 2021. Um, thanks for listening. I we're get to a point where we'll probably have some episodes coming up more often like at some point soon but yeah thanks for listening everybody go uh eat a beef sandwich and take a listen thanks for uh being with us and we'll talk to you again in a couple weeks